Good evening to those in social media. This is Grace and Faith Fellowship. We're coming to you with our weekly message. We praise God for you. Um, listen to us, and we pray that you share these messages with those, your loved ones and people that you know that need to hear the word of the Lord. But we just thank you for lending us your ears to hear the word of the Lord and um, pray for each one of you that are listening and once again, we always want you to know that if you reach out to us, we we'll pray for you, for your needs um, on our website, whether it's prayer or anything. And we'll be more willing to pray for you and just lift you up, whatever your needs are. But we just want to say um, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Um, if you have a mother, honor your mother, whether it's deceased or whether they're living and we thank God for the mothers that he has blessed us with. And we pray that you have a wonderful day, whether it's today or tomorrow, whatever you celebrate it. Celebrate the mothers of this world that God may continue to raise up mothers that will teach their children and be great uh, wives to their husbands and any endeavor that they ch choose to seek as God leads them. But we want to continue on this study. Um, we've been talking about understanding righteousness, okay? Understanding righteousness. And we've been talking about that you've been made right to the rights of God by Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. It's righteousness. We start off by saying that righteousness is not right doing, but right being mean that you've been made righteous by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You're not righteous because you do righteous things, but you're righteous because Jesus paid it all for us. And then when you begin to believe that you're righteous, then the fruit of righteousness, which is your actions, your behavior will flow. Okay. And so tonight we're going to talk about, um, we're going to talk about understanding righteousness. We're talking about seeking first Jesus' righteousness, okay? Seeking Jesus' righteousness. It is his righteousness that we received, okay? Not yours, but we receive his righteousness. And so what do we, how do we even begin to think about? I mean, this is, we receive his righteousness, not your own, but his but God want us to be conscious of your everlasting righteousness in, in Christ. Okay. He wants you to be conscious of it. Listen to what I'm saying. He wants us to be conscious of our righteousness in Christ. He wants you to be established in what Christ has done for you. So I just, I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you. I want you to take some time. Okay to get this revelation of righteousness deep down in your spirit. So we got to get become conscious of it. Okay. It's not enough just to just say, okay, say it, but you got to become fully conscious. Okay. Of this righteousness that has been given to us, which is you, you got to become conscious. Of, I mean, it's got to be in your thinking. It's got to be in your thought. It's got to become instinctive. It, it got to become natural to you. That's, you know what? that the righteousness of God that I have comes from Jesus. 
Now, that means you you got to do this. Now, he says, well, how do I do this? Okay, how do I become conscious of the righteousness that Jesus gave me? How do I do this? You hear and feed on teaching that reveal that Jesus that view that Jesus and the gift of his righteousness through faith is his finished work. So you you hear it, you feed on it. Okay. You feed on. You get a revelation. You feed on, you get teachings of it. You feed on and you hear and you feed on these teachings of the gift of righteousness, which we talked about last night. That righteousness is a gift. It's been given to you by Jesus Christ. Okay, and you begin to hear teachings and you feed on it and you meditate on it that your righteousness is a finished work. You you meditate on on your righteousness in Christ and declare it every day. So now this is I'm I'm becoming practical tonight because it's just not enough. Now that you know it, you got to meditate on this thing every single day. You got to speak it out of your mouth, declare it. Why? Because the enemy is going to attack you. As I said, this is not to say you're going to do everything right. But see, this is what you're going to need to know when the enemy attacks you. When you miss the mark and the enemy is going to begin to condemn you and say, you're not righteous because you did this. You're not righteous because you said that. You're not righteous because you did this. Well, well, you've been meditating on it and get a revelation of this. Then the enemy, you can fight that attack off. You can say, no. Yeah, I made a mistake, but I'm still the righteousness of Jesus. I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You begin to stand that. So when you do this, it, it will put courage in your heart and bring an unshakable peace in your soul. This is what it's going to do. So you got to have courage to stand in the midst of these things. You got to have courage. It's going to take courage when you miss the mark because you're going to miss the mark now. So you say, what do I do when this happens? Well, you got to begin to declare and meditate and speak that I'm the right guy, even though I messed up. But this is how you do this. This is how you become conscious of the righteousness that you receive from Jesus Christ. Not only would it will encourage you, but it, it will energize your faith when you pray and give you a confident expectation to receive good things from your heavenly father. See, a lot of times when we mess up, what we do, we think we don't qualify for the blessings of God. We think that, you know, because I messed up, now God's going to punish me. And now God's going to get me. Now he's going to withhold his blessings. No, that's not true. And this is what the enemy wants us to believe. Now, don't get me wrong. When we miss things, there may be times, there may be consequences for your actions, okay? That's not God. That's just sin. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So sin comes with consequences, okay? So you may experience some consequences, but that's not God. That is the enemy, okay? But God still wants you in the, in the midst of that. Expect him to turn that thing around. Expect him to restore you and turn that situation around. It makes take some time, depending on what you do, depending on the situation and thing, but it may take some time, but you know what? Have a confident expectation that you know what? Yeah, I messed up, but you know what? I'm expecting God to restore me. 
I'm restored. I'm receiving the things of God. I'm going to receive good things of God in this on this earth, not when you get to heaven, but on this earth, not in the sweet by and by, but on this earth. Okay. And I want to give you an example of that. So you said, well, how do I do this? Well, what I said is you got to feed on this. You got to put this thing you hear. You got to listen to fine preachers and, you know, that are teaching on that the, that the finished work of Jesus Christ that his righteousness is a gift and meditate on these things and feed on and teachings so that your faith can be unshakable so that you can have strong courage in the midst of, of turmoil and mistakes. And so, and still have an expectation that God is going to do great things to your life. But let me give you a scripture. This, because I, as a matter of fact, this came up in Bible study and really God gave me a revelation on this scripture. And it's First um, Samuel chapter thirty, verses one through six, and let's read about David. Okay, we're gonna look at David. David was he messed up, but we're gonna look at the end what David did. And it says here, and I'm reading from the King James, and it says, and it came to pass when David and his men would come to Ziklag on the third day, and the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag. And smitten zigzag and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captive that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lift up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. When David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam, the Jezelite, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Camelite. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David, check this part out. It's part of it. Encourage himself in the Lord. Now, I just want to kind of go back. Imagine, now David is the, he is the chief guy. He is the head. And David was out doing things. They was out fighting. And they left their wives and children back at camp. Okay, left them at the camp unprotected and so the Amalekites come in and burn their camp down everything in, in Ziklag and took the wife to the wife took all their children everything says small and great and when David and them got back there saw all of this they had taken all their possessions their loved ones their children now imagine that, right? Imagine that now, mind you, David, you know, this is probably his idea, whether, whether it was his idea or not. You know how they say when you're the leader of something, okay, everything falls on you. You take responsibility for anything happening because David was the leader of his men. So whether it was his, we don't know if it was David's idea or not, but whatever the case may be, David went along with it. So he has to take responsibility for what happened. 
And so the, it says here that that David all and they cried till they couldn't cry no more. Imagine you losing, because we've all experienced some loss, some capacity, but imagine losing all your loved ones at one point. I mean, just lose them, just gone, being captive, being taken. Imagine somebody that you love being taken. Okay. And the Bible says here that David was greatly straight. He was greatly, David was distressed. Now, I'm pretty sure he felt pretty bad about what happened. But it says here that the people wanted to stone David. Okay, David did not have a friend in the world right now. Did not have a friend in the world. They wanted to stone David. David was like, hey, we want, this is your fault. And the Bible didn't say David made excuses. Didn't say, it's just, you know, they wanted to stone David. And the people would grieve. David was just like, hey, no, nobody to pat him on the back said it's going to be okay. So imagine you making a mistake and everybody's coming down on you. Everybody came down. Everybody in the camp came down. All of David's men came down on him. This is your fault. They want to kill him. Now, I can't even imagine that. But imagine how David felt. But the Bible says this. Look at this. The last part. This is but David encouraged himself. In the Lord, that word encourage means David, he stood firm. Okay. He stood firm. He strengthened himself in the Lord. So what did David do? So David began, this is probably one of the worst times in his life. And he had to encourage himself. He didn't have anybody to say it was going to be okay. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. And to me, this is the thing about, you know, speaking righteousness, Jesus' righteousness over your life when you've made a bad decision. Because you won't have enough people to talk bad about you. Okay. And I want to, I know I'm speaking to somebody and like, maybe you made a bad decision like we all have made it, but maybe you made a huge, maybe you made a bad decision in your finances. Maybe you messed up your marriage. Maybe you, you stepped out aside your marriage and committed adultery. Maybe you made a bad decision and went to prison, had spent some time in jail. You embarrassed your family. You made a bad decision and you hurt a lot of people. Okay. And, and then you're saved. Maybe you're saved. And you made that decision. But here, you have to do what David did here. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. I want to let somebody know. I want to, God is not mad with you. God is not punishing you. Okay. God has not given up on you. Even if you listen to me, you're not saved. The mistake that you made is not so bad that you can't come back from if you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the moment you accept him as your personal Savior, it says here, he declares you righteous. You have to, and you have to spend time encouraging yourself in this righteousness that has been given to us by Jesus as a gift. You have to speak to yourself in a terrible situation. David here was in a terrible situation. 
And he said he encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, David didn't say like, you become arrogant and say, well, I don't care what y'all think. That's not what we're talking about. David didn't say, well, forget y'all. He didn't say that. No, I believe David took responsibility for his action. I believe David apologized to his men. But of course, sometimes when you apologize, people don't receive your apology. And it's nothing you can do about that. You can't control how people respond to your apologies or you can't make them forgive you. All you can do is ask for it and it's up to them to receive it. But here's what I want you to know that God has forgiven you. God is not holding things against you, even though the the results that you are experiencing right now may sound like an enemy one that God is mad. No, those are just consequences of your action. Once again, you can't control people, but you have to believe in the word of the Lord. And it says, hey, God says, I'm not mad with you. Encourage yourself. And the Lord says, you know, go to God and says, hey, God, I made a mistake. I messed up. But I receive your forgiveness. I receive your righteousness. God, and I thank you for restoration right now that you're restoring me day by day. And God, I know that you're going to get me back where I need to be because I made a mistake. And God, I know you're restoring me every day. I believe in your provision. I believe in your restoration. I believe what your word says, that it's nothing I can do for you to turn your back on me. And so this is what you have to encourage yourself. Even when people don't love you, you may mistake. You may never get that relationship back. I can't promise you that. You may never get that job back that you lost. But what I do believe that God can restore you. And matter of fact, I believe God can take you higher than what you were before as you surrender your life to him. But this is powerful to me because David, it says he encouraged himself. In the Lord, in spite, he didn't have anybody to talk to, but he had Jesus. He had God to talk to and says, hey, God, basically what they were saying, I believe in what you say about me. I'm not what I did. Okay. I did what I did, but I'm not what I did. And I believe and what you said about me. And then you, what you do, you begin to take steps toward becoming what God says you are. You begin to, to take steps as the Holy Spirit leads you as to who God says you are. God can, God can turn that thing around. But you have to first do as David says, encouraging. So this is how you become conscious of the righteousness that Jesus gave, gave us. This is how you can become courageous, even in hard times, how you can have unshakable peace. This is what we're talking about, unshakable peace. That you know what? But you know, I got peace about it. You can, that thing that you made, you can have peace about it because why? You could say, hey, I know God, I'm, I'm forgiven. So I'm gonna have peace about it. I'm not gonna stress over it. I did what I did, but you know what? I'm gonna have peace because I know God has forgiven me. I know he has restored me. I know he's going to get me back where I need to be. And I've allowed the Holy Spirit to lead me, take steps to get back where I need to be. But this is how you encourage yourself. Okay. So I, I believe that's why the Heavenly Father, in knowing the things that, knowing the things that we need that tell us not to worry about them. 
So he tells us not to worry about. We are, what are we supposed to do then? Okay. So when things that happen, what are we supposed to do? He's talking about, don't worry about stuff. He knows what we need daily. So what are we supposed to do? It says here, and let's read Matthew. I want to read Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33. I'm reading this from the King James. It says, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or where shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all things. But 33 says, it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things be added unto you. Okay. So your heavenly father knows what you need, whatever you need from God. He already knows that. And he's talking about here to keep it in context, the physical thing, because he names it. So these things, what should we eat? Okay. What should we drink? We close. So he says, but first you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, who's righteousness, Jesus' righteousness, and all the things be added unto you. This is the promise, really. So the way we, here's how we do the way we take or receive angels' thought is by speaking them. So that's how you, when it says take no thought, that's how you take a thought, you speak it. Okay, doubtful thoughts will come, but it is not seen until we entertain them, okay? So doubtful thoughts, so you can't stop doubtful thoughts coming in your mind because the enemy is going to always try to give you thoughts, but you don't entertain those thoughts. Well, so you have, when you, when you entertain the thought of, you know what, you're never going to be any good, you know, you're a bad person, you know what, you're never going to be anybody, you're always going to be lonely, you know what, nobody likes you. You know, you, you entertain those thoughts and you begin to believe them. Dang, you don't take those thoughts. But according to this verse, speaking for these thoughts is one way to entertain them. So when you begin to speak saying negative things that the Bible does not say about you. OK, then you entertain them. Therefore, don't speak forth these negative thoughts. OK, don't speak forth negative things. And we all got to be here. I know I'm guilty of just saying negative things. Don't speak forth negative things about yourself. Don't say, you know what? Well, you know what? I'm just crazy. Because <laughs> that's not what the word of God said. God says you're righteous. Don't say, you know, well, I can't help it. No, God says he's giving you the ability to conquer anything you need in your life. Okay, well, I'm broke. No, you're not going to always be broke. Don't say those things about yourself. Just say, you know what, I don't have it right now, but you know what, God supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm not saying deny stuff. If something is going, just say, you know what, yeah, this is happening to you, but you know what, you said, but, because I learned that but is the eraser word, God is going to supply all my needs. So don't speak forth negative thought. Don't entertain those thoughts by speaking them forth out of your mouth. Okay, lost men are consumed with worry about how they will, will make ends meet. This is what the world born again men should not be this way. You may ask, yeah, if I'm not consumed with these things, who will be? The answer is that God knows 
what you need better than you do. If you would seek him first in your life, God will take care of your prosperity. I know we live in time where things are tight, you know, food prices up, they're going down a little bit, but thanks, but God says, hey, he knows what you need better than you do. So you just believe that, you know, you have a, a healthy expectation that, you know what, God is going to fulfill my every need. God's going to take care of my every need. So I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to be closed. You know what, God's going to meet my every need. So I'm not going to complain about how prices are high. I'm not going to do that. Even though they are, but you know what? I trust that I am the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, and I've been made right. And God's going to meet my every need because I'm seeking His righteousness, seeking His kingdom. And I know, as they say, all things be added unto me. So, know that this verse switches from speaking about what you think is using the word seek. Okay, so it goes from speaking about things to the word seek. Jesus used was using these terms interchangeably. Keeping your mind on the right thing is equal to seeking God. So you may say, well, how do I keep my mind on the right thing? You seek God and his righteousness. Well, how do I do that? Well, we talked about focus, expose yourself to teaching that you can meditate on who God says you are. You got to expose yourself. So you, you begin to seek things that remind you that you are the righteous God in Christ Jesus, no matter what your situation is, that I am made. So he said, you keep your mind. Therefore, you can, can't can really be seeking the Lord without keeping your mind stayed on him. You got to constantly keep your mind stayed on God. You have to, like I says, intentionally put yourself around people, around teaching, you have to constantly make time to meditate on scriptures or listen to scriptures, listen to teachings from different pastors, men and women of God, who remind you of who you are, who will encourage you on who you are. Okay. So they talk about the things. It says, don't think on it. It goes on back and says, let me go back. It talks about these things. Take no thoughts. The Father knows that you need all these things. So what are all these things? Okay. It says, the, what are the things that Jesus is speaking about? It's, these things are the things listed in, in, the, in the, the previous verses we're talking about. Talking about clothes and food. Specifically, the Lord said that what we need to eat, where we sleep, and what we are clothed with will all be taken care of by God if we seek first the foremost of the Lord and his righteousness. If we put God first in our lives, God will supernaturally take care of our needs. See, this is key right here. This is key. The question I want to ask you tonight is, are you seeking the Lord for? Is God the number one priority in your life? Now, you need to be honest with yourself. Is he the number one priority? Is he the first person that you go to when your needs be met, or do you try to fix it yourself? Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that do you pray about ask God, okay, where should I go? What should I do? I know I have a need. I know you've already met it, but you show me how, and I trust you to supernaturally meet my needs. And I need working that too, because we all get caught up in 
with different things and start allowing the enemy to get put doubt in our heart. No, trust that God is going to meet your needs soon because I'm seeking him first. I'm going to him because he's my father. And what does a good father do? A good father will provide for his children. I don't know about you, but if you you are a good father or if you know if you're a good father, you know, maybe you didn't have a good father, but a good father will provide and meet the needs of his children because that is his job to provide. To not allow his children to go hungry or without, you know, what he will find a way to meet that need. Well, we have a heavenly father who has everything, who supplied everything. So why would he allow you to go lacking? Okay, he's not going to allow that. Okay, when God starts supplying our needs, he would do it better than we ever could now. So we serve God. God, God is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Okay. El Shaddai means he's the God of more than enough. Okay, okay, he he has paved his streets in heaven, okay, with gold. And, and it says here that he he makes the gates out of pearl, and that's Revelations 21, 21. Okay, so God, we serve an extravagant God, okay? And when he starts being our provider, he supplies with, his supply is extravagant. Okay, so we serve an extravagant God, so guess what? When he starts providing, it's going to be extravagant. God's going to give you more than enough. Okay, now I'm not saying that sometimes we take that way of boys and he's going to make me rich. No, having more than enough doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a millionaire. But it means you're going to have more than enough. Okay, you're going to have surplus. So if if we are t- aren't tempted to be embarrassed at God's abundance provision, then we haven't fully tapped into his supply. See, so you should be embarrassed by how God has supplied you, has made provision. The people should be looking at you and say, I don't know how you did that. But you know what? Hey, and you should give God a say, Well, it was God that supplied me with this. I didn't do it on my own. Okay, this was not my doing, but this was the work of the Lord. Right, but it starts off by you seeking his righteousness. What is that? Believing that I have a right to the things of God because of what Jesus did. I don't have a right to the things of God because of what I'm doing. Let me say that again. I don't have a right to God's blessing because of what I'm doing. And maybe you've been taught that. Maybe you've been taught, well, you know what? God's got a blessing because I'm doing this. I'm dotting every I and crossing every T. But what happens when you miss the mark? Because you're going to miss the mark. Do you qualify? Well, now you're no longer qualified in your eyes that you don't qualify God because you missed the mark somewhere. No, you qualify. You have a right to provisions to be taken care of because of what Jesus did. Man, if I can get you to get that. And that's, you know, we you once again, you got to meditate on it. You got to get rid of it. You got to take yourself out of the equation. Me being blessed has nothing to do with my me behaving right. Okay. God is God is good, not because I'm good. God is good because he's just good. That's just who he is. 
The Bible says his blessings rain on the just as well as the unjust. So even unsaved people are being blessed. But I hear somebody say, but we, we as Christians, we're better than blessed. Why? Because we have received Jesus as our Savior. As our Savior. So God, he runs us over with us, his blessings. As, I, as you seek his righteousness, not your own. Okay, but notice the use of the word first. This is speaking of priority. We have to focus some attention on earthly things, but they should never be our priority. God and his kingdom should always come first in our priorities. And when they are, he supernaturally takes care of all our natural things we need. So it says first, God wants, let me say this, God wants to be first, not second, not third. He wants to be first. We're talking about priority. What is your priority tonight? Who is he your priority? Is he your first priority? Is he your number one priority? And just because you go to church, that don't mean he's priority. Let me say that. Just because, you know, you go to church and, you know, you wear Jesus T-shirt, that don't mean he's priority. Because when you believe that he's priority, people are going to see it in your actions. Okay. Not only are you going to see it in your actions, but people are going to be, you're going to be notice, is he priority? Because here's what's going to happen. God is going to know, and people will know he's priority when stuff goes wrong, when stuff goes south. Is he priority then? And we talk about in the scripture, it says, hey, he said, take no thought of what you're going to eat. Okay. Let me go back. Take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Well, what should we close? For all these things do the Gentiles see. See, Gentiles, God's not a priority. So therefore, they're going to begin to do things on their own. He says, for your heavenly father knows that you, that you have need of all these things. But it says, first ye seek the kingdom of God. Is he a priority in your life? Is he the number one priority? Because it says, it's, we, we have to focus some attention on earthly things, okay? But they should not be your priority. Yeah, we know we, we those are the necessities of life. You have to eat, okay? You need stuff to wear, Okay, you need all those things. What else? Um, the third thing, you know, what we eat, what you should drink. We want to send, we have to focus our attention on those, but they should never become your number one priority. Why? Because we know our father's going to take care of them. It doesn't mean you ignore these things, but it says, but God and his kingdom should always be come first in our priorities and when it says when you do this he will supernaturally take care of your needs this is the type of father we serve he will provide for you but he has to be your number one priority so i want to challenge you now i want you to think about that is he your number one priority if not then begin to take steps to make him number one. 
Make him number one in everything that you do. Make him number one. Even when you get up in the morning, he should be the first thing you think about. And you have to train yourself to do this. You know, he 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 should be when you start your day. He has to become number one priority. He likes his God does not want to be second place. Now he still loves you. He will always love you. There's nothing you can do to stop him from loving you. But God wants to be priority, just like your wife wants to be a priority. Just like your husband want to be number one priority things. People love when you put them first. And just the same way, God wants you to put him first. He wants us to put him first. But when when you know that your right standing with God always puts him on your side, okay? When you know that, when you know that, that your right standing with God always put him on your side, every fear will melt away. When you know that, so you're not going to be fearful. When you know that your right standing with God is on you, when you know you've been made righteous by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you're going to know that when you know that God is always on your side, even in your mistakes, then all fear go matter what. You're not going to fear. And the fear do try to come as you begin, as I said in the beginning, as you begin to meditate, as you begin to study on these things on a daily day basis, on a weekly basis, meditate on the righteousness of God that's been given to you as a gift, then fear go matter what. You're not going to worry about it. For if God is for you, who or what can successfully prevail against you? You need to speak that. If God is for me, who or what can be against me? Who or what can prevail against me? And the answer is absolutely nothing. Nothing can prevail against you when you make God your number one priority. When you seek Jesus' righteousness first, he makes us a promise that all other things will be added. On you, that is the promise of God. Will you make him number one priority? Let me pray for you. Father God, in the name of you, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for speaking to us through your word. We I speak to every person that's listening tonight. God, I thank you for just giving us your righteousness as a gift. And God, I pray right now to the people who are listening that they will make you the number one priority in their life. God, that we will, as the song said, we make room for you. Make room for you to be number one in our life. And God, we put everything else aside and make you our number one priority. So we seek you first. We seek the righteousness that you gave us, which put us in right standing with you. That in your eyes, God, we are the apple of your eye. We are your beloved. You care for us. And God, allow us, give us the confidence to know that, hey, if we put you first, everything that we need will be provided for us, whether it be materialistically or spiritually. If everything has been provided for us through what your son did for us, and we receive it by faith right now in the name of Jesus. 
I speak over those who have that gun. I thank you that you're supernaturally making provisions for them right now in their area, giving them the comes and know that God, that they are restored, that they have a blessed, that they are being given more than enough because you are El Shaddai. You provide everything we need and you are an extravagant God. And it's, it's your scripture that we that you do exceeding abundant more than we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And for God, we glorify your name. We thank you and we receive these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, we thank you for um, being with us tonight. We'll come back with you again next week on this series, Understanding Righteousness. May God bless you. Once again, happy, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. And once again, um, pray, honor your mother, whether it be deceased or whether it be alive. And we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.